You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Welcome back to another edition of Review and Preview, everybody. I'm your host for today's show, Kyle Russo, alongside my co-host, James Montefusco. Now, first off, ladies and gentlemen, you may be asking yourself, well, where is Tom? Well, Tom has left the show in great hands. Tom will be back sometime in March. He's he's taking a little break for the show right now to, to, to rejoice himself, to revitalize himself a little bit, get more energy, come back refreshed so that he can come back better than ever for this show. But don't worry, Tom has left the show in great hands, not in my hands, in James's hands. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Tom has left the show in great hands. We're going to hold the fort down for these next couple of weeks. I'm going to be the host for today's show in the next couple of weeks as well. James is going to be here rocking with me. We're going to have some guests on yep. periodically uh, for each and every week coming up in the future. So, James, first off, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Good. I'm doing pretty good. Actually, uh, it's a new shirt I got for Christmas. I'm not, I'm not here to brag. But I was sitting at the dinner table. My sister said I look like Bob the Builder. So if I do, put that in the comment section. I would like to know what everybody's opinion is on that. But I'm looking forward to this great sh- action-packed show we got. Uh, we're doing it to 8.30 tonight. It should be fun. Make sure you go follow us on uh, YouTube. And then listen or support at anchor.fm slash review and preview slash support. So give us a follow. Give us a follow on everything. Anchor, YouTube. Instagram, and such. Go follow us. You know, James, you put that yellow hard helmet on? Maybe a little bit. Maybe a tad bit. Maybe a tad bit. But like James alluded to, guys, we got an action-packed show for you tonight. Uh, Only going an hour and a half tonight. Uh, Not that much content happening on in sports this week, but don't worry. We will fulfill the hour 30 for you guys, and we will keep you entertained for this next hour and 30. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into it. So we're going to be talking some NFL right now with you guys and one of the bigger stories coming out obviously the Super Bowl is over so now we get into the time period where players are being bought out players are being released free agency is among us almost coming in the middle of March potentially Uh, March 17th watch out for that that's when the free agency period does start but one of the bigger names in the NFL last week was released and that name is J.J. Watt Uh, J.J. Watt formerly of the Texans asked for his release from the organization, went to the McNair family, asked to be released from the organization. So as James is laughing, the the situation in Houston, uh, Houston, we have severe problems. Uh, that's what the Houston Texans organization is having right now between coaching decisions, managerial pos- uh, positions. I, I believe the president of the Texans organization also stepped down last week or sometime uh, about a week and a half ago uh, and released his operations as well. Just not not a good situation, especially uh, a guy of this magnitude, J.J. Watt. Yes, he's had an injury-plagued career, uh, the latter part of his career, but he's 
first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do it. This is a guy that is the only player in NFL history, I believe, to have multiple 20-plus sack seasons. He had 20 and, a half se- uh, 20 and a half sacks in 2012, 20 and a half sacks in 2014, also three-time Defensive Player of the Year award. Only select company, uh, along with Aaron Donald, who is newly a part of this company, and James, as me and you both know, Lawrence Taylor, a LT, Giants, legendary defender. So not a good situation right now in Houston. No, it's not. I mean, J.J. even came out to Deshaun Watson, his quarterback, and says, you know, he apologized to for the position that Watt put him in. It's not Watt's, it's not Watt's fault. Um, it should be interesting in where he goes, considering his two brothers. Um, oh, Thomas, come. There's the hat. Russo, that, that's it you. Makes, it makes its appearance. It makes a difference. It, makes, it does make a difference. Um, so to get back onto that, Watt, um, Watt has two brothers already playing in the league, so I don't know if we see him joining his brothers. I would ultimately like to see where Watt goes because he, I believe he's in his – 30s um i'm yeah, blanking on his he's exact about 31 team. he's about 31 um, right now it was 31 so he still has a decent amount of left a decent amount of left in the tank still has a decent amount of career left um so it should be interesting on in where he goes i haven't really heard many teams talk about him yet i've heard more of quarterback rumors throughout the last few days ultimately i haven't really heard about jj i I was a little surprised to let him go, but at the same time, like, you know what? If they want to start brand new, get most of these guys out, maybe they didn't want to pay JJ. I'm not 100% sure what the thinking was, um, but I I am interested on where he might go. If you guys thinking about where he's going, drop it in the comment section. We'd love to hear what you guys are thinking on that. Um, I mean, I personally, I wouldn't mind him on the Giants, but I know we don't have the cap space to fill what he's looking for most likely. And also, well, we got to sign some other names that's already on our defense right now. So So as James roughly alluded to in all of that, we are going to be doing a little segment right now, and this is going to be a fan segment as well. So get your fingers typing in the comment section right now. This came into my mind about an hour ago about what a little word play as James has in the banner right now. What team will it be for J.J. Watt? Uh, around half the teams in the league are interested, apparently. Um, you know, hearing that he's considering potentially joining the Browns. I know the Titans and the Bills are interested. James, as you alluded to, the Pittsburgh Steelers joining TJ Watt and joining Derek Watt uh, would be an unbelievable storyline. A trio of brothers all on the same team. I know I'd love to see that. Is that necessarily the best decision at this point in his career? Maybe not. Could he go to Green Bay? Is a Wisconsin guy. Went to Wisconsin, was a Badger. Green Bay, like Tom just alluded to, could join a winning team, a winning organization, really solidify that defensive edge rusher role that Green Bay desperately needs. So, James, I'm going to start off first. I think J.J. Watt, right? Mm -hmm. This is where I'd like to see him go. I would love to see J.J. Watt go to Green Bay. I'm going to tell you why. There is nobody in the NFC right now. If you break down this NFC, there are no real competitive teams with the exception of maybe three, right? Mm-hmm. These teams are obviously the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they will be – they will ultimately be pretty much the same team, going to run it back. The L.A. Rams, now with the addition of Matthew Stafford, and the Green Bay Packers, mm-hmm. who just lost in the NFC Championship game. He's from Wisconsin. 
Green Bay needs to help out Aaron Rodgers desperately. Now that he needs he needs to be helped on the offensive side of the ball, but the defense also needs a lot of help. It won't take much convincing. I don't think it'll take a lot of money either. Uh, they released him off a $17 million deal. I don't know what kind of money he's going to be getting, but I don't think it'll be something close to that at this point in his career. As he is tagged as an injury-prone player, as he's not putting up those same type numbers as he did earlier in the uh, earlier parts of his career back in 2012, back in 2014, like I alluded to earlier. I'd like to see him end up in Green Bay because that's a real good situation for him to immediately have success and have Mm -hmm. a real opportunity to win. You look at other places like Pittsburgh, right? Would I love the storyline? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that is a team that, in my personal opinion, is an offseason away from being completely blown up. I think we're going to see that this season. They are $18 million above the payroll. They, uh, ben Roethlisberger is on the last year of his contract, probably the last year of his career. They have guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, who's a free agent, James Conner, who's a free agent, uh, one of the best offensive linemen in the league, uh, Alejandro Villanueva, who's made that line so successful as a free agent. Um, Marquise Pouncey just retired on that O-line as well. Uh, Vance McDonald retired for them as well. I know they got Eric Ebron. The defense as well, they're going to be losing a major piece in Bud Dupree. That team is crumbling as we speak. I don't think that's the right situation, especially in the conference and the vision in which they are in, in the AFC, within a division that now has Cleveland, who does look like a threat, has Baltimore, the MVP, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow, who, yes, the Bengals were not successful last year, but looked like a very good team when he was out there playing quarterback for them. And they have a decent amount of cap space and a decent amount of draft picks in this year's draft. I don't think Pittsburgh would be the right place in terms of winning for him. I could see obviously wanting to join your brothers would be hard to pass up on because I don't know if you're if you're a part of the Pittsburgh Steelers organization and they're asking to bring their brother in, you know, and it's not like this guy's a bad player at all. He's an excellent player. But is that the necessary need maybe to fill a Bud Dupree spot? I could see it happening. I don't think it's the best mm-hmm. choice in terms of winning for him. I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. That's where I think he should join in terms of winning and where I think he'd be most successful. I like it. I could definitely see him going to Green Bay. Um, and Rodgers needs help. I mean, you got this, the the Smith brothers, but ultimately you always need that one extra guy to get to the quarterback. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh, it would be kind of like a family reunion in a sense. They all play on the same team. Everybody's so happy and such, but – Ultimately, will it really serve a purpose for them um, other than, uh, you know, having your older brother in the locker room with you to be in shape a little bit? I mean, really, I was also thinking, I mean, the Jets have a lot of cap room, but they're not winning now. They may win two, three years down the line if that. Um, So it depends if J.J. wants to stick it out even longer and possibly not get a ring. Um, I don't know. I don't think that's the kind of person he is to chasing because if he was, I would imagine he would have left a long time ago. Um, and then the other two teams I see is the Bills. Yeah. The Bills might pick him up, um, get him for like 12 million or something off a year or two year deal. Titans could be also another pos- another good one. Um, I would honestly see mostly the Bills. Um, they need more. They need a guy like that. I think it also they're they're already a, they're a contender. We saw what they did this year. 
Are they able to follow it up next year? Yeah. I say yes. And from that reason, by adding J.J. Watt on that defense, realistically, you got – you don't have many teams in that division that can easily beat you. So if you add J.J. Watt, it's going to make you more competitive down the line. Yeah. Um, Tom with a comment, uh, hearing a lot about the Browns, but seems like a smoke screen to me. Um. Yeah, I feel that. I haven't really heard much about the Browns going after Watt. I mean, that could just be me not really paying attention too, too much into what's been going on with Watt. Um, but, I mean, the Browns, they got Myles Garrett. You put him on the other side, maybe. I don't know. I'm going I more see, I could see it happening. But, again, if I'm JJ, I'm joining a team that, you know, I know I'm 31. He's actually turning 32 in March, so he will be 32 come the new year, uh, new yeah. season. So if I'm J.J., I'm joining a winning team. And not that I think that the Browns aren't that team, but a guy like J.J. Watt has the entire NFL at his disposal where pretty much every single team is interested in him, not only for what he's able to do on the field, but what he's able to do off the field. Did so much for the city of Houston. I don't know if you remember it, James, um, but when uh, a hurricane hit Houston, I think it was like back in 2018, massive. I think it was, I think it was Irma, right? It was something like that. I believe so. Remember J.J. Watt, you know, donating hundreds of thousands of meals to the oh, yeah. Houston, raised over 20-plus million dollars for the community. Absolutely unbelievable personality. That's somebody that you want in your locker room. That's somebody that you want in your community. If I'm J.J., I'm picking a contender, like you said. Um, the Bills were just in the AFC Championship game, maybe giving them that another edge rusher like that puts them at a bigger threat to a team like Kansas City. Uh, the Browns, maybe, because that would be a sick edge-rushing team of Miles Garrett and J.J. Watt. Um, but I really do see Green Bay. I see Green Bay being the opportune team. He goes back home, gets to play in Wisconsin, gets a real opportunity to win. Because like I said earlier, being in the NFC right now, the Green Bay Packers, the way they performed, not that I think Aaron Rodgers is slowing down, but you get a little more supporting cast on the offense and you add a player like J.J. Watt on the defense, that's a team that will be right back in the same position, back in the NFC Championship game once again come next year. So that oh, that's awesome. I'm thinking no, Green Bay. I'm thinking no. Green Bay. My last question for viewers are you, what about Dallas? He stays in Texas, he just goes to Dallas. That is true. Because he, he was actually talking about it when, uh, I don't know if you saw his post in regards to getting released. He said, I don't know what it's going to be like to live out of Texas. I don't see it happening just because Texas uh, Dallas has so much money on the books right now with so many players. I don't see them going after a guy like J.J., even though he'd probably want to stay within the state. I just don't see it happening. They, they have so many other problems in the secondary. You need to fix the offensive line. I don't think the defensive front is where they should worry right now. And if I'm J.J., again, I want to join an immediate contender because I know that I'm probably the missing piece on a lot of teams' uh, boards right now. And like that, I think Green Bay is one of them. I think Buffalo is another one of them, you know, with the exception of their O-line and the exception of their running backs. I think the defensive front can improve a little bit getting to the quarterback. I think he would massively improve their measures. But, again, in terms of conferences, I'm joining Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers if I'm J.J. Watt. That's me. Yeah. No, I, I would see him more going that. I just figured throw out Dallas, see where that went. You know, Texas, I mean, considering uh, Jerry Jones likes to – make a lot of 
media go around his Cowboys team with Dak and everything else, I figured that, you know what, it's Jerry and the Cowboys. Why don't we sprinkle in JJ and get our fans hyped and then ultimately lose like every year. Got to sprinkle that in. But that'll do it for our JJ Watt segment. So James, who are you? So I, I said Green. I said Green Bay. Who are you? Who are you thinking that JJ is going to at the end of all this? Where do you think he's going? Upstate New York. You think he's going to Buffalo? Okay. I think he's going to Buffalo. All right. I like that team. I, I think that he'd be a great addition on that defensive front. All right. We'll have so to see. I mean, hey, continue, James. My bad. We no, no. You do. We got to see. I mean, we could both be wrong, and he could wind up with the Saints or even the Bucks. That's true. Potentially join a. Uh, Ring chase in the Bucks potentially. Yeah. I know the Saints are kind of in, in a dilemma right now, even though the James Winston is being tagged as their quarterback for next season. Excuse me, even though he is a free agent, Sean Payton has been very vocal about keeping him and bringing him back. And knowing that he probably doesn't have a lot of opportunities to start in the NFL uh, other than the Saints, I see him coming back to them. Yeah. So I like that, James. I like Buffalo, but I'm going to go with Green Bay. So that'll do it for our J.J. Watt little segment that we put together for you guys within the first 20 minutes almost of the show. We're going to move on to a little more NFL news, some some good things, some bad things. So real quickly, last week, Carson Wentz, Adam Schefter reported that it's only a matter of days until Carson Wentz is traded from the Philadelphia Eagles. Two teams that have been involved in that trade talk discussion has been the Indianapolis Colts and the Chicago Bears. Personally, James. I think that the Indianapolis Colts are the destination now. Do I know if Philadelphia is going to look to favor Carson Wentz and do the right thing by him? Probably not. Uh, There's been a lot more smoke around potentially going to the Bears based on trade package and what they'd have to offer. It's also been rumored that not one single team in the NFL has offered what the Eagles are requesting in a first-round pick uh, as part of a deal for Carson Wentz. So that's also a major factor in whether or not he's even traded at all or going to be the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles come next season. But if I am, if I'm Carson Wentz, my prime destination, I want to go. I want to go to Indianapolis because they are a team that is ready to win. They are in a perfect system. Why? Because it is a team coached by Frank Reich, who's formerly with the Philadelphia Eagles. Go behind one of the best offensive lines in football. You have weapons there. You have a great young rookie running back. You have a top three defense in all of football. You just saw what they did. They almost beat the Bills in the playoffs last year with a Phillip Rivers, an aging Phillip Rivers who just retired, they could easily get back to the playoffs with Carson Wentz back in that system that once made him so successful when Frank Reich was a part of the Philadelphia Eagles organization. No, I agree with you. Um, It's either Indy or the Bears. Um, You have a great point with that good offensive line because ultimately it would probably keep Carson upright a lot more than he – probably ever was as an Eagle. Yeah. Um, but the Eagles are asking a lot for somebody that we know how he's played. The league knows how he plays. The league also knows his injuries, um, his rap sheet on that. So it's a, it's a lot of stuff to go for a team to just be like, okay, here's a first round buy either this year, or next year. I mean, first round pick either this year, or next year. And then all of a sudden be like, Oh, and here's this amount of money. I, it, 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 they're asking for a lot because they're screwed. Just to yeah. put it bluntly, they're screwed. I mean, their cap space doesn't help. You having a quarterback situation doesn't help. I mean, going to the Bears, you go to the Bears and you trade for uh, Nick Foles comes back. I mean, 
That Third might be good. Reason. Yeah. But I don't know. I Indy probably looks like the best and safest bet, but it's at the point of at what expense. Because hear me out. Yeah. Indy signs Clarkson, right? He's yeah. behind a pretty good offensive line. All right. First two games, he looks pretty good. Third game, he gets hurt. He's out for the season. So that ruins your chances to playoffs. That ruins a lot of cap, probably. And that also ruins draft picks. Because ultimately, then, who's your backup at that point? You know? Um, no, you're absolutely right when you say that. Uh, and, James, we have a comment right now by Steve Marchman. What's up, fellas? Do you think that the Birds would package Ertz with Wentz to maybe – uh, some other team other than Chicago and Indy. Hmm. Like the, they're just in a they're in a pickle right now, Steve. They're in a pickle where it's that you have to look first at what team is going to be willing to give up that much for a Carson Wentz and you know give a first round pick, knowing how much money he's made and the lack of performance that he's had, especially last season. That was a huge drop off for a guy that just signed a hundred plus million dollar contract. So that's a huge factor as well. Then with Ertz, a guy that's had an injury history, was injured for the majority of last season as well. What is he going to be? As well as I think that you have to re-sign Ertz, essentially, because I think he might be up for a contract soon as well. I just I, I don't see a team. The reason why I say Chicago and Indy is, and especially Indy, is because Indy has 70-plus million dollars in cap space this offseason. They are a team that can absolve that money and be okay with it 100% because they won't have any cap issues in regards to it. Even if they do take on those two guys, Steve, specifically, yeah, that's the issue 100%. If they absolve those two contracts, it won't do anything to the cap. They'll still have around 30-plus million dollars left in the cap to add more players to that team. A team like Chicago, I don't get the interest only because I don't get where the money is coming from. Because when you look at that defensive front, there is so much money being made on that defensive front and the defense as a whole. I just don't get how you are able to absolve a contract like Wentz's contract and be okay with it. With guys like Khalil Max on the books, uh, Akeem Hicks, uh, Kyle Fuller, I believe it is, uh, with the Bears. I always mess up the Fuller brothers. Uh, so much. Eddie Jackson, one of the best safeties in the league. Uh, I'm, miss, I'm missing so many other guys as well. Dan, There's a lot they, of guys on that team. So many guys on the defense. We saw their their O-line was a horrible last year, probably worse than Philly's was. So I don't really think that that would be a good situation for him as well. Uh, it would be nice because that give them a quarterback and a tight end because Jimmy Graham is aging. I know they drafted Cole Komet last year, but Ertz is more of a veteran presence. And you know that throughout Carson Wentz's career, Ertz has been a security blanket. So that would be a nice fit potentially. Again, I just don't get how the money makes sense. But as we've seen in the past, the GM for the Bears has not necessarily made the best of decisions when it comes to the new up-and-coming starter at the quarterback position, whether that was Mitch Trubisky, whether that was signing Mike Lennon to a massive deal a couple of years ago. We all remember that. Whether that was trading for Nick Foles, who was on a massive contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I would not be surprised if they pulled the trigger on a Wentz. I don't know if Ertz would be packaged in that deal. Uh to answer your question, Steve, I don't see any other team going for it. I really don't. Uh, Tom in the comment section right now. Uh, James, we get that up. That's why I think they might resign Trubisky to a one-year deal if he doesn't get a better contract from Washington or Denver. 
Tom, I just I personally don't believe that they just they just don't like Trubisky. They just don't like Trubisky. I feel that they view that draft class back in 2017 and they shake their heads every single day and say that we had the opportunity to draft Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes and we took Mitchell Trubisky. We saw they benched Trubisky after three or four games and he wasn't even bad. And they resorted to a Nick Foles who was only able to win one out of the seven starts that he had until they finally went back to him. And then even though he took him right to the playoffs. And again, if you watch that Saints game, he gave them a shot that, that missed Hail Mary in the end zone that would have put them up at halftime to Javon Wims, I believe it was, went right through his hands in the end zone. The Bears were competing. Mitchell Trubisky helped them compete. They just don't like him. They just don't like him. I don't think that Nagy, knowing that his career could potentially be on the line, is going to look to run it back with Mitch Trubisky. I think their mind is already set in stone that they don't want him back. Uh, then we got another comment from Steve. You hear anything about San Fran, San Fran being interested in wins? No, Steve, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, as much as I'm not the biggest of fans of Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think that that would ultimately be a downgrade. And to be honest, I think that's even a bigger contract to be taken on as well. So I don't know why San Fran would do that. I've heard with San Francisco that it would take a really big swing at the quarterback position in order for them to give up on Jimmy G. Um, and I think that ultimately what we know comes with that, a big swing in quarterback would mean a guy like a Deshaun Watson. I don't see them switching the quarterback position up for a Carson Wentz. I don't see that being the case. I think if with all this stuff with going on with Carson, if they don't move him, obviously they'll either stick him out most likely. Now, if a team does pick him up, I not that I'm saying uh, I'm probably going to get heat from the comment section on this, um, but whatever. Um, he might be a, he might be a backup, guys. He might be a backup. A team might be like, "Would we'll, we'll take you for the right amount or whatever." You're our backup, though. Yeah, because ultimately. If he gets injured, they screwed themselves out of X amount of money and X amount of picks that it's easier. Okay, you can stack them on the bench, put them in on garbage time or whatever, maybe teach a young quarterback a little things. You know, I, I don't know. I don't I don't really see him as a full-time starter anymore after all his injuries. Yeah, that's why I say a team like Indy or Chicago, mostly Indy would be the perfect spot because I think that's the only team set in the NFL – that would be kind of the prime spot in order for him to have success again once in the NFL and get back to that MVP level. But he talks a lot there about Carson Wentz. We're going to move on now, James. Uh, real quickly, so Kwan Short, who was with the Panthers for a long time, a defensive tackle, I believe was a defensive edge for the Panthers. The last seven years, eight years of his career, was drafted by them back in 2013, was just released, two-time Pro Bowler. Uh, in other news in the NFL, kicker Jason Sanders, of the Miami Dolphins to sign a five-year deal worth $22 million, finished the season with the second most makes only behind young Ho Koo of the Atlanta Falcons. Jason Sanders finishing off with 36 field goals, went 36 of 39 on the season and went 92.3% overall. Now a little sad news right now. Um, last night, Vincent Jackson, former receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, was found dead uh, in a hotel room at the age of 38 years old. Um, investigation is being uh, done. No no cause of death right now being released. Uh, 
know anything, was drafted second-round pick by the Chargers back in 2005. Like I said earlier, three-time Pro Bowler, really, really good player, eclipsed 1,000 yards five times in his career as a receiver in the NFL. Just sad, man. Just sad. 38 years old. It's unbelievable. We have no idea what it is yet, but absolutely terrible news. You hear nothing but nice commentary uh, from people who played with him. I know that uh, our guy, James Victor Cruz, posted something nice about uh, his passing, a Pro Bowl picture of them back in the Pro Bowl back in 2010, I believe, 2011. Uh, Just sad stuff, man. Sad stuff. Uh, Yeah. And hopefully, you know, the investigation will be taking place. And ultimately, you know, within the coming weeks, hopefully we'll know something or coming days what exactly happened. Uh, But some brighter news. This is some brighter news. One sad news turned a little bit brighter. Uh, So as we all know, a couple weeks ago, uh, Andy Reid's son, Britt Reid, a linebacker's coach for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, was in a car accident and and putting a five-year-old little girl in the hospital in critical condition, and she was actually in a coma. Um, And this was right before the Super Bowl, a few days before the Super Bowl. Uh, The little girl's name, Ariel Gold, uh, who's critically injured and left in a coma following the car accident, has woken up today out of her coma. So from life-threatening injuries, she has woken up from her coma after, oh, my goodness, 10-day stint. Now it's been, I believe, something around those lines, almost 10 days. Yeah. That's some good news. That's that's some good news. That, that's that, some real good news. That would have been a really really bad situation. It still is a horrible situation, but now, oh yeah, now now a little now a little better, a little bright spot uh, upon some bad news. Just but a James, PSA, PSA announcement. Call a buddy. Yeah. Don't don't do that. You know, you could either hurt yourself or like what happened with the Chiefs. Uh, one of their coaches hurt hurt somebody else. Yeah, nobody wants to hear that. You don't want to be in the news. You don't want to hear any of that. You don't want to have that hanging over your head. Um, so call a buddy, call a friend, call your parents, do whatever you need to to make sure you get home safe. Um, just, just don't do it. Exactly. And on that note, that'll do it for our NFL segment for today's show. Uh, James, we're going to transition right now into the NBA. So, some more breaking news in regards to the NBA now. Anthony Davis is now out for the next two, three weeks, at least out the next two, wow. three weeks with a calf strain uh, slash Achilles injury. What I'm hearing is is that it's not a – it's an injury. It's sore. Mm-hmm. He's going to be out at least two, three weeks because they want him to obviously rest, obviously due to precautionary reasonings. They don't want that to get worse because, especially in the Achilles area, if that – if he tears that, that's it. That's it. There goes the Lakers' chances. And, and James – that transitions me into my next statement in regards to Anthony Davis. What does this essentially mean for this Lakers team to potentially represent the West if he is not there for them come playoff time? That's a great question because this morning I saw it briefly, or when I was before I sat down for dinner, I saw it briefly. I'm like, wait, who's out for the Lakers for how long? It's going to impact them because Anthony, right? I'm saying his name right. Yeah, Anthony Davis. Yeah, Anthony Davis is uh, is such a big part of that Lakers team. Um, LeBron is also obviously a big part. It's going to hurt them because ultimately they all work as a unit. And usually when that one unit goes out, somebody else has to step up. So it's that other person, whoever's going to take his shoes, going to fill up, step up. 
also two to three weeks for an Achilles injury, they're going to monitor him yeah. because ultimately, what does the season go to? You know better than I do with NBA. The season is going to what? June around. Yeah, it'll go to June, but it goes to it's 72 games this season. It should be over around the April or May time. So two to three weeks already puts us uh, in the beginning weeks of March. March. And the word is at least, meaning that's the best case scenario. So it's two to three weeks. So that's you put you look at it like say say we put an exact date on it's like March March 9th. Yeah, that's around two weeks. The third week is March 16th. Ultimately, I would keep them out probably a month. Yeah. I keep, if the Lakers are on a hot streak and they're just rolling, they're steamrolling teams, I'd rather have him sit out for the long run. Yeah. Only because of what everything's going on right now with all the COVID protocols and all this, I'd rather have him sit out, stay fresh. Because an Achilles thing, you could re-aggravate that randomly, I, th- yeah. I believe. Yeah. So, he's, he's been dealing with it all season and kind of aggravated it. Uh Monday or Sunday night against the yeah Sunday night against the Denver Nuggets he kind of uh, maneuvered weird uh, while weird. being guarded against Nikola uh, Jogic, but uh, yes. no in a co- complete agreement with you James I would sit him probably longer than a month because again I think that LeBron you know LeBron is LeBron he could hold the fort down they brought in a very good supporting cast if it was last year's Lakers team I'd say yeah you not need to rush him back but you definitely need him. But they brought in guys like a Montrez Harrell, Wesley Matthews, a Dennis Schroeder, some depth, especially Montrez Harrell, who does also play kind of that center and four position. Um, obviously not as big as Anthony Davis, but can play that position as a high level, as he did win six man of the year last year with the L.A. Clippers. So I would rest up Anthony Davis because, again, it doesn't matter what you do in the regular season, whether you were the f- number one seed in the Western Conference, number eight seed in the Western Conference especially if you're a team led by LeBron James and you're getting Anthony Davis back, it doesn't matter what seating you have. You are going to be there towards the end of it. You will probably be there in the Western Conference Finals. Now, with that being said, Anthony Davis does need to be healthy, I think, to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of teams stepping up. We're looking at a Utah Jazz team, right, James? 23-5, I think. They're on a 19-1 and run. Absolutely. 18-1 run, something along those lines. I believe 17 of those wins have come with double-digit wins against their opponents they're shooting lights out from the three one of the best defensive teams in basketball i believe top five in terms of points scored per game absolutely unbelievable uh got a comment here from steve don't sleep on the clippers in the west my sleeper is the phoenix suns steve i'm not sleeping on them they just keep on getting hurt all george is out now Kawhi missed some time last year we saw that they could never get healthy at the exact same time i think their bench uh, not that it's depleted. I do love the acquisition of Serge Ibaka, but I don't know if that's as good as uh, having a guy like Montrez Harrell in there. Lou Williams hasn't been the same either. He's kind of taken a step back from where he was the last couple seasons with them. Phoenix, I like Phoenix a lot. I think Devin Booker finally has the point guard he's been missing the first five years of his career. They're in a winning position. I think DeAndre Aiden has surprised a lot of people as a center big man in this league. I believe he averages around 22 points per game with around 10-plus rebounds, absolutely incredible. And Chris Paul, one of the greatest point guards of all time, a real floor general to spread the ball around, get open shots uh, in order for the Phoenix Suns to succeed. I just don't believe that they have the depth necessarily to succeed against some of these bigger teams like the Utah Jazz, like the L.A. Clippers, like the L.A. Lakers. Uh, Utah is hot right now. They are hot right now. They're riding a hot streak, but like I said earlier, doesn't matter if you finish off as the number one seed 
or number eight seed. It doesn't have any feel on where you end off in the playoffs. I think we saw it last year, right? The Denver Nuggets, I believe, finished off number one seed in the Western Conference. Did anybody really believe that the L.A. Lakers weren't going to be there at the end of the tunnel, that they weren't going to win the West, that they weren't going to be in the finals? Look at my Miami Heat, right? As, <laughs> as much bias as I may show, as much love and affection I show towards my team, did I think that they were going to be there representing the Eastern Conference in the finals? Absolutely not. But the Milwaukee Bucks came out victorious and were the number one seed of the regular season, 160 games, 60-plus games, I believe. That was the team everybody was going for. Same thing with Boston, same thing with Toronto. But Miami came out victorious in that circumstance. Doesn't matter what you do in the regular season. It comes to making the playoffs. Obviously, you got to make it. Well, the Lakers won't have that problem, though. Uh, Trey should start ball of energy. Wish he wasn't a part of the Patino controversy. Yeah, uh, him and Terry Rozier, I believe, as well. Um, but Terry was a, a, a freshman at that point in time, so I don't think he was yeah. really a part of it at that time. Uh, Trez will start most likely, I would believe, considering he is the other power forward slash center right behind Anthony Davis. Again, he is much smaller uh, than Anthony Davis. He's only 6'7", he's listed at. Anthony Davis is around 6'11". So, again, might not be so much of a defensive threat. He's also taken a step back offensively, went from last year averaging around 17, 18 points a game to only averaging 13. That could be because he's coming off the bench, but last year he came off the bench as well. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I think that the Lakers will be fine. They'll be fine. But if Anthony Davis is not there, they are going to have a lot of trouble because this Western Conference is stacked. This Western Conference is stacked. In other news, NBA news, uh, players like Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin have both been told by their respective teams, the Detroit Pistons and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, They're being held out of games from this point forward until they are either bought out or traded to another team. Uh, So this leads me to my next question. Where do these guys end up? Where do these guys end up, right? Uh, I looked at Andre Drummond last year, and I thought he was one of the best true centers left in the game, and I truly do believe that. But this is a guy that was traded from the Pistons last offseason to the Cleveland Cavaliers for a guy in John Henson. Brandon Knight, and a second-round pick. What's the trade market this year? Obviously, I don't think it's too much to be said, personally, considering that they're looking to buy him out, potentially. I don't think a trade market is necessarily there because the true center is not necessarily valued. Uh, Steve, in the comments section, sixes, baby. Steve, you know why your sixes are succeeding? you got a versatile big man, a Joel Embiid, right in there. I know Ben Simmons had a career-high 42 the other night, but Joel Embiid playing like an MVP. Why? Versatile center. Move, can shoot the three, can shoot up. can shoot the ball consistently, good free-throw shooter. Something that Andre Drummond necessarily is not, not valued at that true center position. We'll see where he ends up. I'm hearing rumors along the likes of a Toronto Raptors. I'm hearing teams like the Celtics, potentially. Now that Anthony Davis is out, potentially a Lakers, which would absolutely – it would just make a a filthy team even more disgusting uh, when Anthony Davis does come back. Uh, So hopefully that doesn't happen. Don't – don't completely uh, ruin all predictions of what can happen in the Western Conference, but that would have a big say in it as well. But I say he ends up with a team like the Raptors. He's been linked to them now for the last couple seasons in terms of being traded. I don't think it's going to take much to be uh, to get him, whether he's bought out or whether he's traded. As we saw, his market last year was very low. Uh, if he's bought out, he'll have his choice. I could also see him potentially ending up in a uh, Brooklyn Nets uniform, which would be nice considering the Nets desperately need 
a younger big man because uh, DeAndre Jordan, as much as I love him as well, he's not that same Clippers DeAndre Jordan from the early 2010s. Uh, needs a big defensive presence in there at center to grab boards and score 15 a night. And that would be a perfect fit for him, I think, and a real shot to go win because the Eastern Conference is another conference where I think that the Nets could run away with it if they improve a little bit with defense. Anything, anything to add, James? No, I mean, listen, it's interesting how they can't even let these players play. I mean, to be honest with you, you got to sit out. Like, come on. I understand they don't want them to get injured, but, like, come on, bro. Uh, I don't know why I said that. That was weird. Um, but, like, let, let let them play. If you're waiting to trade the guy, ultimately, you might be hurting his value because why he's sitting out, I mean, is he really going to be working out with the team if he knows he's getting traded? Or is he like, all right, I'll do a quick workout and call it a day. I'll go wherever they are. I'll go sit in the sun or I'll go at home and hang out. Yeah. You know, let them play their guys. Let them play. They it, they love the game of the game. It's like you're telling me that I can't play because my tooth hurts. Yeah. For a day. Like, come on, you, you got to let them play. So, but that that's my only thing on it. It should be interesting on where they go. Yeah, and a guy in Blake Griffin potentially being, you know, I don't think there's any trade market for him, but potential buyout. Also, his name being linked to the Lakers as well, potentially joining them uh, would make them a even bigger threat than they already are. Really mm-hmm. haven't heard much in regards to any other team. Um, just because Blake Griffin has kind of declined as a player in this league, yeah. his athleticism isn't there that much anymore. He's not that great of a shooter, although he has developed this game over the course of the last 10, 11 years of his career. It's not that great. So. We'll see what happens. He'll be bought out. He'll definitely be a free agent. We'll see where he goes. But now, James, we live in New York, so what would it be if we didn't talk some New York basketball for a few minutes? I don't the know. New- they've been pretty hot. They have been pretty hot. Uh, both these teams on three-game win streak, starting off with the New York Knicks, starting off with the Wizards, then beating the Houston Rockets, and then finishing it off uh, last night, I believe it was, with a 123-111 win against the Atlanta Hawks. Excellent. The, uh, listen, James. You were you were a you were a uh, a viewer of basketball. Who uh, James Montefusco was predicting the New York Knicks would end off with a twelve wins this season. Mm-hmm. Break it to you, but the Knicks are already at fourteen. They're at fourteen. So your so your wish or your prediction will not come true, unfortunately. Right. Listen, we had, when they beat your Heat team, I was like, all right, they aren't winning. They're winning more than twelve games. They're going to hit more of what Kyle and Tom said, twenty plus games. I mean, the, the, this team looks good. They're young, and they're playing young, and it's also nice to see out of the Knicks and for their fans, considering they've been through so many years of torture. Terrible play. Terrible play. This, And, you know, Knicks fans, viewers, comment in the comment section as well, because growing up in New York, this was probably the most exciting time for New York basketball, especially more so the Knicks, that I've seen since first acquiring uh, Carmel, uh, Carmelo Anthony 10 plus years ago than Denver Nuggets. This is probably the most exciting time that New York basketball has had in that amount of time. Tom in the comment section. Uh, James equals Fisdale. Fisdale over tips. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Tom Thibodeau has been great. Tom Thibodeau has been great. Steve as well. Them damn Knicks cost me money last night. Mm. Oh, sorry. Gambling man. A gambling man. But it's all right, Steve. It's all right. Maybe maybe bet some money on the Knicks next time. Obviously, Atlanta's a tough matchup, but Knicks are looking like a great young team, one of the best defensive teams in basketball right now. Not really great offense, but you know the defense is coming. 
run by a Tom Thibodeau-led team. Um, so the Knicks have been hot. They acquired Derrick Rose last week in a trade with the Detroit Pistons. He's been excellent off the bench for them, averaging around 12 points per game since getting there. And this is where the discussion heats up a little bit. Julius Randle last night mm-hmm. blew up for 44 points, nine rebounds, and five assists. Damn. It was 14 for 22 from the field. And this leads me to say, is Julius Randle an all-star? I think so. The man has been absolutely incredible this season, the way he's evolved his game. This is the excuse me. This is the Eastern Conference where there's not as many great players as there are in the West to be argued over. I see him sliding in as a reserve, potentially, obviously not a starter, but I see him making there. He's putting up all-star type numbers. He is a major contribution to every single one of the wins in which the Knicks have. In fact, James, I just said the Knicks are on a three-game win streak. Guess mm-hmm. who's the leading score for them these last three games that they've won? Julius Randle. Julius Randle. Julius Randle is an all-star this season. Give us your thoughts in the comment section. Switching over to you, James, what are your thoughts? Is Julius Randle an all-star? Yeah. I mean, he he put up those numbers. He should be an all-star. He's been, uh, from at least what it sounds like, he's been carrying the team on his back. Julius Randle, at least from all the highlights I've seen, he's been always, his name has always been in there. He deserves a spot, even if it's reserve. You know, it, he deserves a spot. It also looks good for the net, the Knicks, um, knowing that, okay, we got a guy to an all-star game, or at least a reserve. This is only the future to come. What else more can we provide for our fans? What else can we more provide for New York? Ultimately, it's a step in the right direction. It's a big step in the right direction that this team hasn't seen in, seen in years. Probably since, like Kyle said, Carmelo came. Um, Jeremy Lin was a hot thing for a hot second. Um, but, yeah, probably for those two big names, at least that I can remember. I mean, all growing to going through middle school and high school, it's like all you saw is everybody wearing these Carmelo jerseys. And I'm like, okay, congratulations. It's one guy. Like, there's other guys on the team. But Tom has a comment. The power forward. The point forward, yes. Uh, the point, yeah. I don't know what. Julius Randle and his uh, fadeaway jump shot standing at around 6'9". So he's been an excellent player. I think he is an all-star this year. I think he deserves it, and I think he will be named. It hopefully he doesn't get snubbed off the all-star list, but we will see what happens. Switching gears into the Brooklyn Nets, also on a three-game win streak, starting off beating the Pacers early this week, the Warriors, and then the Kings the other night. Um as Steve alluded, alluded to earlier, Nets need defense. Yes, they do, Steve. Yes, they do. They need defense desperately. It is something that will ultimately be the nail in the coffin on their season if they cannot improve upon that. They just added a couple guys, adding Iman Shumpert to the list. I know they just waived Norvell Pell, who was a center, one of the first guys they brought in after making that massive trade for James Harden. Uh, they signed Andre Robertson, who is a guy that um, – who played with Kevin Durant for seven years, I believe, in OKC. I don't get that move personally. I get it's a teammate of his, but he was notoriously bad at defense in OKC. So uh, a team that desperately needs defense is not necessarily filling up their roster with defensive-minded players. So we'll see what happens with that. I didn't think that was the best of acquisitions. Again, I think they'll still be active upon the Andre Drummond market. I think they'll be active in terms of other potential buyouts that I think we're going to see in the NBA. I don't know necessarily what they could do with the trade deadline. They traded away a lot for James Harden. Yes, I don't they know do. what they're going to be doing. Uh, Salvatore Farmica. Uh, if you watched last night's game, the last game, the defense was good. All starters came out. 
with seven minutes not smart. Yeah, Steve Nash has had some questionable decisions, Sal. He's definitely had some questionable decisions, but with a team like this, I can't necessarily blame him. He, he got handed a team that he thought he was going to have, ultimately only had 15 games with that team, and now had to make a completely different game play and is kind of putting it all together because James Harden has been there now for around uh, around a month now, still trying to piece it together. Uh, and, and it's become difficult because guys like Kevin Durant have been out. This is now his second time out because of uh, COVID, contract, uh, COVID contact tracing oh, last week. And now he's out these next couple games because of a hamstring injury. Um, Kyrie, the, they play the Phoenix Suns tonight. Kyrie is out as well. So it's just James Harden tonight, 1030 against the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix, I believe. It's going to be a rough ride for this Nets team. You know, they're, they're going to bring it offensively. Uh, they were up 24, I believe. The bench laid an egg. That's why it was even close. Exactly. They just have yeah. those, that supporting cast that they had, Sal, that made them such a threat into this season because I know that I feel like a lot of people would agree with me with this statement is that, again, based on what we've seen from Kevin Durant this season, even without James Harden, I think that the Nets would have came out victorious representing the East when all said is done. I think that would have happened ultimately if you kept guys like Jared Allen uh, a Rodney Kuroks, uh, you know, Karis LeVert, obviously, you know, thank God the trade happened. Otherwise, oh, yeah. severe, you know, health issues would have occurred. But uh, excellent, excellent player like him as well. Young player. Uh, losing Jared Allen on the defensive side of the ball hurt them tremendously. Uh, but yeah, th- these are the moments that, uh, funny, the majority of the guys traded are hurt. Yeah. Kind of yeah. worked out for them at the end of the day. Kind of worked out for them at the end of the day a little bit. Um, but that's what they're going to be missing. They're going to ha- be having guys like Jeff Green lead off the bench for them, Tyler Johnson, another guy that will step up for them. Uh, like I said earlier, a couple guys in which they've added, Iman Shumpert, sprinkle him in a little bit. Andre Robertson is available tonight to match up against the Phoenix Suns. So we'll see how he uh, matches up because this is his first game in like two, three years. So Yeah, so that should be interesting. Well, But, yeah, that's what this Nets team is looking like. That's what this Nets team is looking like right now. Uh Still kind of a mess. Again, they bring it offensively every single night. It's just a matter of will they play defense because they know that a lot of teams will not be able to compete with them offensively. But defensively, it's it's a it's a revolving door. That's what it is. It is a revolving door. They have three players just don't want to play defense. Lay off on the <laughs> the Brooklyn Thunder. Yes. Yeah. Jeff Green being a Seattle Supersonic. James Harden. Jeff Green. Um, Andre Robertson. Yes. The Brooklyn Thunder. But, James, that'll do it for our basketball segment. We're going to transition now into our NHL segment. And do we have Hank up right now, James? Do we have, we have Hank? Hank, how guys, how are you doing, my friend? How are you doing? I could be better if a certain blue team wasn't giving me gray hair right now, but that's <laughs> what they do every year. I, I expect nothing less. And even when I'm high, I have high hopes about the Rangers. It's like, you never know. They play in many of these close games. They they lose a lot. It's 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 been brutal. Rough start, but you never know. They've they've bounced back from worse. We'll see what happens. Now, Hank, you're talking about a blue team, but you got some Giants jerseys in the back that sound firmly familiar. Um, no, yeah, but they, I know you're talking. I know you're talking about the. Uh, I know you're talking no, about. No, it's, it's it's funny you should say that because the way the Rangers lose these games is eerily similar to the way the Giants lose, and let me explain why. Yeah, they'll be very winnable, but then they'll give up like a late goal in the third period. Brutal. <laughs> Brutal. 
Absolutely brutal. And Hank, I see you're rocking number 10 tonight, Artemi Panarin. So let's jump right into it. Uh, Panarin, who it looked like he kind of got a little bit of a saving call, only missing one game, having that long stretch in between games. Uh, but now he's not playing tonight either with a lower body. No, him, and, him and Miller are out for tonight. That's It's going to be a tough one. And I'll tell you this. Right now, Igor is, is the reason this game is scoreless. We're being outshot 16-9 in the first period. And it's like it's like what Henri- Prime Henrik did in the past. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, Hank, let's jump into this Rangers team now because there has been some bright spots, but there's been a lot of, uh, I guess you could say, lackluster play. I don't think the goalies have necessarily been the problem. I think Shesterkin, especially the last – since the whole D'Angelo situation was worked out and Jack Johnson has not been in the lineup, I think they've kind of figured their stuff out. They're just not really necessarily clicking on offense. Uh, Panarin has been kind of carrying the load. Uh, Kreider in the box for six minutes in the first period. Yeah, have that happen. That is a that, that's called undisciplined hockey. That is called undisciplined <laughs> hockey. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll so I agree with that. We'll get right. into that a little bit, but Hank, right now the the Rangers are on a three game skid. Right now, they're on a three losing streak. Um, they've scored two goals in the last three games. So that transitions me into to one of my next questions in regards, because we were having somewhat of a decent conversation last night in regards to this guy. Mika Zibanejad is, uh, is nowhere to be seen right now, is nowhere to be seen offensively based on what he performed last season. And I know you had an excellent point, which I don't think a lot of people have thought of, but I'm going to give you the floor and talk about it. Yeah, for those of you who don't remember, Mika was dealing with a lot of COVID symptoms right at the beginning of the season. And... I'm at the point where I'm not 100% sure whether this is just a legitimate slump or whether this has a lot to do with him still recovering from COVID. Now, as we know, I'm no like doctor or health scientist, but like we all know that everyone pretty much recovers from COVID differently. Mika, I think I have a feeling it might be him still having a bit, bit of a tough time coming back from the COVID, but Whatever the case, it's it's not good. We really need him to step it up pretty soon because one goal in, in these games, we got guys like Anthony Batetto and Kevin Rooney who have more goals than him. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's rough. Like, and I really think it is because I don't think he's real. He's this bad. Like last year, remember he scored like forty one goals. He had fifty one or no fifty seven assists rather. And to go from that to this, I, I don't think that's necessarily just him losing his talent. Unless, of course, the Monstars came down and took his talent like, you know, Space Jam. But maybe a little bit, but maybe. I don't think I think think him recovering from COVID might have have to do with it because someone actually brought up a good point to me. He wasn't shooting the puck a lot during the first few games. Last game that they played, I think he didn't. He played like 25 minutes, didn't have a single shot on goal. Yeah, no. If you don't shoot, you're not going to score. So that's basic, basic math. It's just not. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hockey for you. It's like, uh, you know. But Listen, Hank, how do you expect to score? Exactly. Exactly. Hank, with everything going on with the Rangers, now, New York, I'll bring this up now. I was going to wait to the Islander segment. But since we have you on, I started this from MSG. Um, with New York allowing fans back in at a 10% capacity, whatever that breaks down per venue, per arena, right? Um. I believe I saw earlier, I forget who sent it to me or where I saw it. Let me see if I can find it. Um, it's regarding, let's see, let's see, let's see. It, it, all right. So it says a statement from MSG said limited capacity will mean tickets will 
likely be available on at first only to season ticket members and suit suit holders, not to the general public yet. Now, how does that make you feel knowing that you can have people back in, but seeing how bad they're playing, do you think people even want to go back at the moment or how do you feel about that? I mean, who knows if you're like me where you're a borderline masochist, maybe you'll want to come in, but I think a lot of people who have access might end up selling their tickets because let's be real, even in a normal season, you know, those prices are insane. Yeah. Oh, so, oh yeah. You're paying for MSG at that point, but yeah. Don't, don't um, even get started. But now, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say maybe, because I think the other problem is you also have to have some sort of form saying you passed a COVID test within like 72 hours, 72 hours, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I know that's with the case that in mind. Plus the price of a hockey game. I really don't know how many people are going to go to these games. But will that help? Uh, but is that going to help your team? Like are Kyle they, and myself see. Yeah, exactly. We see that from the Islanders. Are they, are you going to see that from your Rangers? I'm going to say maybe. I think it okay. might help. But then again, if they're, if they keep playing the way they are, which let's be honest, it's not, I wouldn't say it's necessarily like last place, like awful, like bad, because there's really only one mm-hmm. game where they're completely out of, but when they lose games where they just blow and like, you know, they have it in their hands, then I could see the fans coming back and they, you might hear the boo birds. That's the one warning. Cause you know, New York, New York fans are not patient. Oh. No, not yeah. Patient. Uh, you know, a couple more things in discussion uh, in regards to patience. Uh, Sal commenting, realize the lines are all different from last year. And I think that comes with the addition of so much talent to this team. Like, uh, you know, the last couple of years, I know a lot of Ranger fans, all they preach about is is the prospects in which they've had. And obviously, Hank, as you know, the luck in the lottery the last two years, that's at the cost in which you have to pay. Yes, to, Mom, I agree with you. Lot. I would totally go back to MSG. And I, I Mom, I just want to say, trust me, I wish I could be there. I would give legit almost anything to be back there having a beer, watching a game. But, yeah, just I just wish this would all end, <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. James, you're breaking it down to the side. Yeah. Exactly. Fans yeah. equal wins equal more goals. But back to my point, um, with with all the lines changing, you know, uh, a lot of people have already put him on the hot seat. Is Dan uh, is David Quinn your guy, Hank? Are you rolling with David Quinn as the head coach of this team? Don't get me wrong. I've prayed this guy a lot this year. I thought he did a pretty decent job, all things considered. But him continuing all these changes, I don't think it's working. And I think one of the things, if when you look at the Rangers in years past, oftentimes when they make the playoffs like and they're struggling, a spark usually happens when they start to get better. I'm not 100% sure David Quinn's the guy. And I think with a team like this, you have young guys making mistakes where you have other players also screwing up, such as Kreider and Truba, and yet they still get big minutes. I don't think you can really use that double standard. And eventually when push comes to shove, I think a spark like that might help them. I mean, remember, I remember like years ago when John Tortorella got hired, they were kind of borderline out of a playoff spot or like further. And then they like got in, they had a bit of a hot streak. You also had other trades and other hires, like the reacquisition of Sean Avery. And you also had the Marty St. Louis trade that also helped in years past, but I'm convinced. And it's not even just the Rangers. There've been other teams in years past that have fired coaches in the middle of the season, gone to win the cup. Am I suggesting that this Rangers team is a cup winner? Not, no, but I do 
consider I do think that if they fire Quinn, it, it does have the potential to be a spark. And lately with all these line changes, and also I don't really like the way that he handled the Tony Angel D'Angelo situation, but I don't really mm-hmm. want to get into full detail about that because that's a whole nother issue. I I'm I think if this keeps going within like a week or two, you might need to get rid of him. I hate to say it, because, and I hate to say it too, because like I said, he was doing a great job last year, like trying to develop them. But sometimes like college in the NHL, it's a bit different. Sal's saying if he goes, it's in the offseason. Sal, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you here, and the reason why I'm going to disagree is because why do you need to further hinder any potential success that you were going to have with a lot of these young guys. Why, why does that need to further happen for the rest of the season if you know that David Quinn is not going to be your guy, especially because John Davidson, who is now the president of hockey operations for the Rangers, this was not his guy. That yeah. was his pick as coach. Yeah. So he has no allegiance to him whatsoever. I think that you know, prior to anybody knowing anything about the whole Tony D'Angelo situation, a lot of people were already looking to put a stake uh, David Quinn, uh, David Quinn's head on a stake, and blaming him yeah. for the lacking success, especially the way they ended off last season. Uh, is it his fault they have scored two goals in three games? No. To be to be fair, I'm not 100 saying it's entirely Quinn's fault. Obviously, the players aren't overachieving. Emil Francis during the 70s, he was a Ranger coach back in the day, had a saying like the fat cats aren't producing. That's that's also true. But at the same time, when push comes to shove. His line chains ha- changes haven't necessarily been helping either. So it, when you think about it, it goes hand in hand. But when you look at the spark that might be necessary, I do think firing David Quinn could very well be a good decision. Yeah, the defense. Uh, so yeah. I, I totally get where Sal's coming from. As Sal's alluding to the defense, yeah. much better this year with uh, yeah. absolutely with Keandre Miller in there. He's been a he's been a spark. But like Hank, I think you said earlier, he's out as well. Yeah. He's, I think he's hurt right now. So that's gonna another guy that's been hurt. Uh, Philip Hedel, who had a really good end of last season, yeah. really hot start to the beginning of this season. He's still out as well. The guys desperately need centers right now in terms of performance, and that's where Mika has really lacked this year um, and really has hurt them. Leap Hayek on the defense has been better after bringing him up from the taxi squad because D'Angelo obviously not being with the team at this moment in time anymore. But one last guy, Hank, that we haven't talked about, which is surprising. 13 games now in the NHL. Number one overall pick in this year's draft, Alexi Lafreniere. Oh yeah, well, where's he been? He's listen. He's young. He's young. He's young. I get listen. It's it's a lot of stress being in the New York media market. As young as he is, I believe he's eighteen or nineteen years old. I hundred percent get it. I got it. Same thing with Capo Caco last, yeah. especially considering that that guy wasn't even from you know America, from Finland, I believe. Right. So that was you know, a, uh, yeah. That was a you know, it's funny you should say that. It's crazy because, like, every year there's always, like, at least one rookie – or the past few years, I should say, there's a rookie that seems to get a lot of hype and everyone's saying, oh, this guy's going to win the call trophy. But then they're right that there's going to be a rookie doing well, but it's not the one they expect. In this year's case, it's Kendra Miller. And last year it was Adam Fox when Capo Caco was the guy we had hops, high hopes for. This year, obviously, Lafreniere is the guy we're having high hopes for. And I haven't really quite – Sorry, excuse me. I haven't really lost faith in him yet. I still think he's got time this year to improve. And I've seen what he can do before. We know he can score goals, but again, we're not seeing it early in the season. Who knows? But I do think you're right, though. I think maybe he's still trying to get adjusted. And it's a weird year, too, also. Another thing. Oh, yeah, 100%. I want to take a little bit of a different stance on that. Go for it. 
knowing uh, you guys got the first um, pick of the draft, uh, I'll get this comment to Sal. But this kid, that's another thing I kind of want to add. Yeah, I agree with Sal's comment. I think if you want the kid to develop, let him play more on the top line, let him get his feet left, let him develop. That's the only way you can do it. Not, not, not too much of this, switch it up, switch it, you know. I understand that it's going to take a, you know, it takes time for, you know, you're in a new. It's a whole new thing for for everybody. I get that when they come up. But at the same time, you guys got the first pick. You guys got the top guy. Pretty much all the Rangers were raving about him. Oh, he's going to be like the next God savior for this team. We're going to we're going to crush the Islanders. We're going to beat them. This and everything else. And then we sh- we blow you guys out. You blow us out. We beat you again. Then you guys are on a losing streak. Yeah, you guys lose the injury. But the fact that. I haven't heard this kid's name get called more is surprising to me. Now, I don't know if that's due to Quinn's Quinn's coaching, um, but I would be a little concerned because I, I, if, I mean, at almost you're at midway point of the season, kind of, um, cause it ends in May, I believe. Um, right. And I, I haven't really heard his name. Yeah. One day I would be a little concerned. Roll in Buffalo and Hank. Real quick, uh, one one question from me to you. As a fan watching this guy, right? Mm-hmm. When, what is your mindset on what is the not the deadline, but what what when do you essentially put the panic button for at least this season with Lafreniere, considering that he's only had one goal that overtime winner against Buffalo? When do you because as good as he's skating, because he's yeah great, he's done excellent. But again, it's got to transition into actually putting points on the board. That was the same thing. Right. With Topo, yeah. uh, Kako last year where he only had 20 points on the season and you know he's slowly getting there now but now the same goes for Lafreniere who is a number one overall pick when do you essentially hit that panic button and say okay you know we're 14 games into the season now two out of the last three games he didn't even have a shot on goal you know when do you click that panic button I think if this keeps going for like maybe I would say five is maybe the over under for how many more games we can like keep seeing this. And then if it keeps going longer than that, then that's when you start to hit the panic button. Hmm. But uh, with that being said, I do, I would also, even if he doesn't have a great year this year, I would also say, let him bounce back, see what he can do. But yeah, I I do agree. I think there's definitely going to be a panic button hit to a certain degree. If like, we don't see more production coming out of him eventually. Because one one goal is not is not good for a draft pick, regardless of like what the circumstances. Yeah, listen, I don't listen. Obviously, a COVID season, only fifty six games this season. Uh, right. Like I was alluding to, I don't think that there's any panic button for him this year. I would just say maybe panic button's a little too strong. I would just find it a little worrying that he's yeah. not getting there yet. Even right. a guy like a guy in Kako, right, who's the second overall pick, that right. he's not necessarily getting there yet. And more of a Lafreniere, considering that he was the guarantee guy, the guy that people were comparing to the next Sidney Crosby, yeah. that he's not right. getting there yet. Uh, but again, that could all be due to David Quinn. It's, it's a matter of what they essentially choose to do for the rest of the season or choose to address in the offseason. But Hank, any last words before we let you go here? Because we do really appreciate you being on with us talking some Rangers hockey. All I can say is Ranger fans – Keep the faith. We still got a whole second half, or not really second half. We still got a lot of season to go. All it takes for us to get right back into this is a big winning streak. I'm not giving. 
I'm not throwing in the towel quite yet. I do think they can have a strong second half of the season, but I do think some spark needs to be, something needs to be done. Something needs to be shaken up. Even if that means that, even if that means we have to fire the coach. I completely agree with you. I, yeah. I just don't think it's something that you wait till the end of. And guys, thanks for having me guys. Absolutely. Hank. Anytime. No problem. Some good stuff right. there by Hank. Bring yes. insight, some Rangers discussion. Uh, good stuff. You know, the Rangers, I wouldn't say they're in disarray right now. They're, they're having their struggles. They're a young team, so there's no reason to worry. Again, my worry with this team is that you have so much offense on this team. Is it a problem distributing who's going to be the executor on the team? Is that the issue? Because Strom has been good this year. Panarin has been good, but he hasn't been healthy. And then Zibanejad, who they really are solely dependent on, just has not necessarily showed up this year. Well, those guys were kind of, in a sense, expected to be those guys until these younger guys developed more. Even a guy in Kreider hasn't been that great this year. He only has, I think, three goals on the season. I don't know about you, three goals so far this season, no assists whatsoever. Again, I'm not analyzing these Ranger games as much as Ranger fans are probably, and they probably disagree with me in terms of, knowing what he's been able to do, uh, not defensively, but skating, passing as well, making shots open, creating open shots. But uh, the contract that they gave him now comes into question. Guys, remember, top talent on clicks when the line clicks. Uh, yeah, Patrick Line. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely no, he is right. But they weren't – listen, they weren't clicking when, uh, when Panarin was there. That's why it comes into question. That's when it comes into question. Um, and even now, Lafreniere is getting those starting opportunities. He's playing on the same line uh, as Strom tonight, um, and I believe with Zibanejad or Kaka, one of the two. So he's getting on the top line right now. Uh, uh, Columbus Center, question mark. Uh, so I'll elaborate a little bit for us. The Columbus uh, Columbus Center, Patrick Line. They did a trade with the with the Jets. Uh, they traded uh, – I forgot what his name was, but they traded him uh, to Columbus, Patrick Line. But um, back to the Rangers, the Line A trade. Yeah, the Line A trade where they traded um, – Sal, what was his name uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets who they traded? They were both in the same draft. Line was the number two. I believe he was the number three, the guy that they traded. He was kind of a head case. He never really wanted to be in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, oh, that's the mistake the Rangers needed him? I, again, how much th- – that's where I – that's where I disagree because the Rangers have the talent there. You just got to make it work with what you have. How much more talent do you need on this team to necessarily succeed? How much more money do you need to pay these guys? Because you got to remember, Sal, Line was a guy that was going to be asking for over $10 plus million. There's no way around that. Whether he stays with Columbus or not, that's a guy that's going to be wanting big money. How much more money you want to – they do lack centers, absolutely. James getting that comment up. They do lack centers, yep. but they lack centers because the centers are hurt right now. Filipito was supposed to be that guy. He's now out, what, the next month and a half? Not line A, the guy they traded for. I don't know. We're going back and forth in this yeah. context. We're trying to have a discussion, trying to figure this out. But <laughs> the Rangers have too much talent not to be not in a winning position right now, but doing better than they are. They should not be getting shut out of games, uh, which they've no. done multiple times this year, two to the Islanders. They need to improve. They need to start scoring goals because that's the only way in which they're going to win. Again, I alluded to it earlier. Gorgiev is not the problem. No. Sturkin is not the problem. The defense has been better. Truba has been significantly better. Um, Lindgren has been decent. 
Keandre Miller has been great, obviously hurt now. Uh, Lemieux plays like a defensive man. He's got that dog mentality, but they, they that hasn't been the struggle. They need their guys to start clicking offensively, and it just hasn't been there. Or at least it hasn't been there enough to start actually putting wins in the win column. But that'll do it for our Rangers talk. James, we're going to switch it over to the Islanders right now. Just the Islanders, James. A better team. Holy shit. The Hallelujah. The Islanders are back. Uh, <laughs> Let's little, go, baby. The Island, oh, real quick. Oh, they need to trade for Yeah. Uh, listen, I don't – again, who were you going to give up? Who were you going to yeah. give up? You, know, you were going to create even more hecticness in your lineup potentially and create even more problems for David Quinn to put the uh, – uh, the the um the lines correctly and try to assemble a team we've already seen what how many games into the season already and the lines still aren't necessarily solidified i don't think adding another guy taking guys out was necessarily going to help them either uh, but switching back to the islanders we're officially done with the rangers no more rangers islanders only right now <laughs> the islanders are playing like a team right now yes they, they are, are like a team james they are four oh and three i believe so they are in a seven uh seven game point streak right now yes yes uh, they are Matt Barzal is on a five-game point streak. Mm-hmm. The postponement of that game, that little COVID tracing uh, incident that they had where they had that little break off has really helped them a lot. Uh, you know, I said it be, as it happened, I think that was going to be good for them, that they were going to have some time to figure this stuff out. They have. They're 4-1 since coming back from that. Their one loss was to the Pittsburgh Penguins in a in a terrible, terrible circumstance event. They should be 5-0. Uh, but giving yeah. the goal to Sidney Crosby with 18 seconds left in the third period is not a recipe for success. And then going up against Sidney Crosby uh, in a shootout one-on-one is not a recipe for success either. James, in that game, I don't know if you knew it or not, but a little fun fact here. The Islanders and Penguins were tied at 82 wins franchise record for most mm. uh, shootout victories. So the Penguins had 82 and the Islanders had 82. So now obviously with the Penguins winning that game, they now league, the league franchise uh, league record eighty three shootout wins leads the league right now Pittsburgh Penguins so a little bit of record chasing there in that game yeah. but back to the Islanders the Islanders have been fantastic I've said it all along yes they don't have their Artemi Panarin yes they don't have their Sidney Crosby yes they don't have their Connor McDavid Austin Matthews but they play well together they have built such chemistry to the point where they don't need those guys you see guys like Anders Lee stepping up on one night Jordan Eberle having his games Josh Bailey having his games Matt Barzell on this five game point streak I don't know if he has a point tonight but I know the Islanders are up right now two nothing on uh Buffalo Samin Barlamov has played absolutely out of his mind uh I'm you know waiting for Sorokin to get his opportunity as well would like to see him get in there because he has played well well so I want to I want to break something to you. Sorokin's in net right now. Sorokin's in net right now. Sorokin's in net right now. He actually made some uh, pretty good save. I, I have uh, in front of me, I have the TV on just glancing at it real quick to see what's going on. And I saw them jump back to that highlight. He made a pretty good save. So, listen, it's good to see Sorokin in net. I mean, I, I, I wasn't thinking they were going to go Varley back-to-back days. There was no way you're just going to burn Varley out. Yeah. Um. But yes, Rokin shutting out Buffalo right now. Let alone Buffalo isn't a very good team. Also, Buffalo. I, I was saying this to you last night. Buffalo's rusty because they had the two weeks off. Um, we had some time off only because we were going to play Buffalo. Yeah, and yeah. then Buffalo came out with the COVID thing. So there it looked rusty last night. I, I haven't 
I don't know how they look tonight uh, because I, my attention isn't there. But I'm sure they look a little rusty too. But Sorokin seems like he's doing a pretty good, solid game, which is nice to see out of the youngster. Yeah, uh, 12 shots on goal right now for the Islanders. Sorokin has faced 12 shots as well. Uh, now leaving a shutout with about 10 minutes left in the second period. Uh, so some good stuff from the Islanders. Uh, that's been something, James, and you could allude to this as well, is that they were struggling to find that guy to execute in terms of who was going to be putting goals up. And now it seems like they've all clicked. They, they've all clicked. They've had different guys on different nights individually step up, like I've alluded to, Anders Lee, Josh Bell. Nelson's been a little quiet, though. I, I will be honest. Yes. Nelson has been quiet, Brock Nelson. He only, he's got three goals on the season. He only has one goal in the month of February so far. Uh, actually, uh, it was last night. Last wasn't night. It? He had a goal last night, but pretty much been quiet for most of the season. But like I said earlier, they're a team that is built on chemistry. Uh, very, very well coached by Barry Trotz, as he is now eclipsed James Wright uh, around 1,000 wins as a, as, a, as a head coach or something like that. Something like that. I know Lou, I can't, I am not Lou butchering. Yeah, Lou yes, Lamarillo. thank you for saying that. Yes. He has 1,300 wins. Um, it, that came over Boston. Um, so obviously it's a little bit more now. Um, but yeah, it, Trotz has... I, we saw this last year. He turned this team around. We don't need a high-name fancy player that's going to score like a Sidney Crosby or all that. Yet our probably biggest name is like Matt Barzell, right? But he's fast. He does score. If they can all click on on the same cylinder and work together as a unit, it makes it more exciting to watch, at least from my standpoint. Yeah. Um, Because you, you don't – because you at times you don't like Matt Martin – during the bubble playoff run, who would have thought he was going to score so many goals? Yeah, I wouldn't have. Incredible. Incredible. So somebody like that, it's always nice to see from the Islanders. It's also nice to see everybody's working together and you know picking up the slack when somebody else isn't, and then also being work and then coming out as a unit and not expecting like one person on one line to do all the work. And in some other great news for the Islanders as well, James. I don't know if you realize this either, but Anthony Bavillier is back right now for the Islanders. He's starting tonight. So that was oh, he that is. Was a bit of a scare. That was a little bit of a scare because he got hurt with a lower body injury himself earlier in the year, and it looked like he was going to be out for some time. But he's he's playing right now. He's playing right now. Uh, the uh, Can the Islanders sustain losing a Barzal Lee for two, three weeks and still perform at this level? I would say that. It's it's tough because Barzal, you're losing a speedster and a guy that sets up a lot of the players on the team. Lee, you're losing your captain out on the ice. That's but that goes for any team, Sal. That goes for any team. You're you're losing your captain. You're essentially going to be a lesser of a team. That that's ultimately what's going to happen. Lee is also one of the best players, if not the best player, besides Barzal, probably on the team. I don't even know if that's an argument um, to be had. Uh, maybe a Pajot, maybe a Nelson, although he's not really clicking that well this this season so this far. Season, yeah, But a Barzal, I would say, is probably a bigger loss from the sense, again, he's now on a five-game point streak. Hopefully he gets some points tonight as well. Uh, you know, People question, was he worth the contract? They signed him to a three-year deal uh, this offseason. Bringing him back in an Islanders uniform, it was key. I think it's key to the success in which they have that – if these guys are able to stay healthy, I think they can build this consistency. Mm-hmm. The big 
question for me is not necessarily with the players uh, going up and down the ice, but necessarily the goaltending situation. Whereas Varley last uh, last season in the playoffs, James was absolutely out of out of this world phenomenal. Oh, he was lights out. Some games he was he was getting a little burnt out. Yep. And he had a guy like Grice to, to to rely on, and Grice was at the point at that point in time probably one of the best tandems in hockey at the goalie position. Maybe aside from uh, the Vegas Golden Knights situation with Robin Lehner and Mark Andre Fleury, the Islanders were in that conversation for best tandem of goalies in the NHL. But now with Sorokin, again, this is a big night for him, right? Potentially up for his first win in this yep. is third or fourth start or something like that. Around that, yeah. Come playoff time and now regular season as well as they do have around 40 games left in the season. Will he be able to be that support cushion where Varley doesn't have to go out every single night where they could not split games, but if it's a 56-game season, Varley can play around 35-40 and then Sorokin gets the rest of them and gives him some break so that he's able to perform as well as he did in the playoffs without getting burnt out. That would be the biggest question mark for me because we've already seen how that experiment went. And it didn't necessarily favor them, the Islanders I'm talking about. So I think yeah. broken is the, is the key also to the Islanders' success as he needs to take a lot of that. Not a lot, but but some of the pressure off Varley from starting every night. I think he will. I think he had to get he has to get comfortable. Like I said, this with the Rangers. The, the, the new guys have to get comfortable. I think it's also confidence because ultimately it's like you had a few bad games. You had a game that you the team should have won, I believe they lost. So that always messes up the confidence then being put on the taxi squad. So it it's also a lot of mental stuff that goes into into any player. Um, are they can they shake it off? Um, I think he will by working with the team that Trotz has in place for the goalies. I think also um, Varley has probably helped him out a little bit, like talk to him in a sense. I'm sure Lee has talked to him. Um, kind of like get his confidence back up and his morale back up. Like, yes, the team still does believe in me. It was only a few bad games, but listen, I'm here for the long haul. I'm an Islander. We can make this work. We can figure it out. I think that's how it's going to go. Um, I would love to see them split evenly. I, if Sorokin wins, it's a great step in the right direction tonight. Um, and that's only going to go up higher. It's only it's a confidence builder for himself. We got we have to remember that, guys. A lot of the stuff is a confidence builder for a lot of these younger guys. If they can get a good team win, if they can get a win, if he does lights out, if he does what he needs to do, and ultimately, even though just saying down the road he's in the game, he's doing what he needs to do, and then they lose, he can look back and be like, I did everything I could from us not losing. Ultimately, you know, the offense should have scored more or whatever. It's a confidence builder. I think tonight, if they do win, not saying they're not, or if they are, um, if they do win, I think it's going to be a big confidence and big booster for him as a goalie. And you'll see that mix and matching start coming together more. Yeah. And James, any last words upon this NHL segment before we transition and uh, round out the show within these last seven minutes that we got here, six minutes that we got here? No, Islanders just keep flying high. Rangers, you need to figure out your, your stuff because uh, you're making New York look like an embarrassment. Those are some strong words from James Montefusco. But that'll do it from our, <laughs> our NHL segment. And now we're going to transition quickly into our MLB segment before we round out the rest of the show. Uh, so some MLB news last night. 
Uh, yesterday, Justin Turner, third baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, returns with the Dodgers on a two-year, $34 million deal. The 36-year-old will return, play third base for this Dodgers team. Uh, there were some questions. I, I thought for a moment in time, being left out on the market for such a long time, that he might contemplate retirement. But no, he is returning with the Dodgers now, only increasing that uh, that active payroll that they have for this season. Although they do I'm have not, coming off next season as well. I'm not surprised he was. I mean, people are like, oh, they're coming. Uh, they're uh, he's coming to the Mets. I'm like, where, where are you guys getting this information from? He's not coming to the Mets. He's staying with LA and he's on the market. Yeah, they're trying to figure it. They, they signed Trevor Bauer to a massive contract. I'm pretty sure they talked to to Turner and be like, listen, we'll take care of you after we get our guy. And he's like, okay. I mean, come on, guys. Let's chill. I knew he wasn't going anywhere else. He's going to retire. It's probably a Dodger. I, I can't say I disagree with you there. You don't want to leave a winning situation, especially if, you know, they're a team that needed that third base specifically. And what better to bring a guy that knows the system? Uh, to play that position back in that uh, in that locker room. So I can't say I disagree with you there, James, but some other baseball news. Um, I think this actually happened the night of our show or the day after our show. So the Kansas City Royals acquired Andrew Bentendi from the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. The Mets were actually involved in this trade. So the Red Sox acquired outfielder Franchi Cordero, a starting pitcher Josh uh, Winkowski, and three players to be named later. And the Mets acquire outfielder uh, Khalil Lee, in this three-team trade, this was surprising. Uh, this was surprising. This was surprising from a stance of the uh, for the Royals, just based on knowing that their team doesn't necessarily have the payroll like the uh, like the the Yankees and the Dodgers do. That they're bringing a guy in Benintendi who's up for a big deal, I believe, after the season or after next season. So that was a little interesting to see. Maybe that's going to be their starting guy as as an Alex Gordon. Has retired uh, back from that team that beat the Mets in twenty. What was it? 2014, 2015, James. Uh, twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah my sophomore year of college, so twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Uh, Eric Hosmer not being there anymore. All those guys from the World Series team, except for uh, oh, the catcher is escaping my mind right oh, now. Oh, uh, oh, I, oh, I know exactly what you what he looks like. It's gonna. Oh. Uh, oh. I got. I got to look this up because it'll bug me. Oh, Perez. Tomorrow. Perez, Perez. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but maybe starting over fresh, a young. I believe he's twenty six years old. Ben Intendi starting off. Maybe that'll be their guy for the future and lock him up potentially. In other news, I don't, James. I don't know if you heard about this. Following the Mets a little closely, so I, I read into this a little bit because the last month and a half, all I've been hearing about is you know because the Mets. For some reason, I don't, I don't know what the, the lack of confidence is in starting a J.D. Davis at third base, but the Mets were rumored to wanting to be trading for a guy in Chris Bryant from the Chicago Cubs. And this didn't make any sense to me just because Chris Bryant was on a one-year $19 million deal. And considering how much money you're going to have to spend this, not this offseason, but the upcoming offseason when a guy mm-hmm. like Francisco Lindor, when a guy like Michael Conforto, a Noah Syndergaard become available. That's easily a hundred million right there. I, a Ninety to a hundred million right there. Why would yeah. you want to add a guy in Brian who's also going to be a free agent and have to fill a void of a third base position while you're giving up some of your prospects? So I read into this a little bit, James, and the Chicago Cubs president of bas- baseball operations, Jed Hoyer, stated that the reports of Brian talks with the Mets never happened and that they were false. 
But this leads me to my next question, as the third base seems to be a position in which they desperately want to change. Uh, they're rumored to be interested in a Matt Chapman from the Oakland Athletics. Matt Chapman, 27 years old, I believe, was an all-star, not this past year, but the year before that, hitting around 34 home runs, would be a phenomenal addition to an already pretty stacked infield where you have guys like J.D. Davis, Francisco Lindor. Uh, who's playing Jeff second? Mc Jeff guys? McNeil. McNeil and Pete Alonzo. Or maybe even a Dom Smith if you choose to have a uh, if you choose to have a DH. Well, you guys will have a DH, so you could DH him some days and start Dom Smith at first base. But I just I don't see even though Oakland is another small market team, probably the smallest market team in all of baseball. I don't see them giving up on one of their youngest, best talents. I, I just don't see that happening to save what essentially, because even though that he'll go into arbitration for the next year or two make around $7 million next year, $10 million the year after that. You know, J.D. Davis, who's only making around a million this year, he's not going to request 7 to $10 million, but maybe 3 to 5 if he continues to perform high. So for another $5 million, why would you deprive your team, especially when this is a team that just won the division last year, 36 and 24, and is probably poised to win the division again this year, uh, considering that Houston is – Houston in, in other sports has has some problems – Losing a guy in George Springer, Justin Verlander is not going to be playing either. So I don't know why they would do that. I don't know why they would do that. I'm talking about the Oakland Athletics, not the Mets. I just don't get why a trade like that would happen. Uh, I know yeah. having $7 million this year. Again, uh, payroll might be an issue. I just don't see why you would give up on a player like that, especially when you're poised to win your division this year. Uh, and throw yeah. out. I just don't see it. I don't really know. To get back to Chris Bryant quick, I knew those rumors were fake. It, I mean, it didn't make sense for Chris Bryant to come over here. I would have liked him, but I was I when I started, I'm like, this is fake. This ain't going to happen. This isn't going to happen. I knew, like, from the get-go, it wasn't going to happen. So, um, And that either the media was blowing it up or, or they were just taking it way out of proportion. And then the athletics, they're a small market team, unless the Mets are making some – they're giving a whole bunch to them then I see it but I honestly they should the athletics should keep their young guy considering they could probably go pretty far this season I agree with you and now quickly just a few more things in regards to the Mets and the Yankees the Mets signing Kevin Blar uh essentially is going to be the center fielder I would assume even though they brought in a guy in Almora uh just a couple of weeks ago or a week ago um that's going to be their guy Kevin Blar has been around the block been with Toronto uh, been with Boston, been with, I believe, the Giants for, for a stint of time as well. Fantastic center fielder. I think that's going to be your guy starting opening day um, on a one-year $5 million deal. Any any words upon Kevin Pillar, James? No, I haven't heard anything. I've been – it's been – at least from what I've seen, it's been relatively quiet. I mean, if we get him, we get him. No, you, spring, you got him, James. You, oh, you, we got him. Wow. See, see, that's how much I've been paying attention to my own team right now. Yes. Um, listen, I don't know where he would play, to be honest he's with you. We, center field. He's playing center well, field. No, I know, but I don't know if he would – he's playing center field. I understand that. But the matter of fact is, is it going to be more of a switching of center? Like, there's a lot of people that can play outfield on our team. That's true. Wait, wait so, to see. Off there, buddy. Is he our fourth guy? No, he's probably gonna, not. He's, he's going to be your number one. Number one. So then you got Conforto and Nimmo on the other side, and then you got uh, Dom Smith as the reserve and all them. I don't know. All but right. that's how much I've been paying attention to the Mets. So let's move on to the Yankees. Yes, bro. Come on. 
we're, we're slipping. We're, we've been doing this for an hour and a half now. You're choosing to slip in the last couple of seconds. What, what the hell? All right. You know, I have the power to remove you from the screen. Oh, listen, do you want to be the host? <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> uh, switching gears to the Yankees, former Yankee James Paxton resigns reunion with the Seattle Mariners on a one year, eight and a half million dollar contract. Again, when you look at the Yankees starting pitching, um, you know, it comes into question, you know, are they looking to dump cap? Are they looking to save money? Because the guy for James Paxton, eight and a half million dollars, that's a guy I would have loved to have back, but obviously yeah. the Yankees didn't think so. And last news upon the Yankees, uh, picking up a lot of former Mets within these last 24 hours, picking up a guy Weird. in Bruce, uh, picking up a guy in Robertson, uh, Robinson Chirinos, catcher, and picking up um, Justin Wilson to help out of the bullpen, potentially strengthen the bullpen for the Yankees as well. But that'll do it for the MLB segment as far as I'm concerned, James, if you have any last words upon anything. Yeah, I just want to make a quick segment. I know my Mets. Yeah. I just really haven't been paying too much attention to them because spring training starting. I'm more looking forward to that. Um, pitchers and catchers, I, I, I want to see my pitchers back. Um, you guys are going to, I believe, I want to say have some success with Jay Bruce. Yeah, listen, he's not going to, I don't think he's going to touch the field unless somebody gets hurt. But well, that that can be easily done for your okay. Team. Let's not jinx. Right. Let's not jinx the team immediately. The season, the spring training has not even started. We're not jinxing anything right now. In fact, we're going to end it before my team gets jinxed any further. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you bring all for for Mets. I mean, what do you expect? I mean, the, the, it continues on down the road. But okay. But James, on that note, that'll do it for us here tonight on review and preview, folks. Hosting tonight myself with my co-host, James. I hope you had fun because I had a lot of fun, and we're going to be looking to have fun. fun in the next couple of weeks. Up until Tom takes back over as the host, don't you worry. He will be back, and the show is within good hands with with James. With James. Uh, Jay Kearns in the comment section, Russo, my God. Justin, you're coming in the last seconds. We're ending <laughs> off, man. We're ending off. But I appreciate all the love, support, all the comments in the comment section tonight, all the viewers, viewers we had tonight. Appreciate, love you all. Thank you all for supporting me, myself, uh, James, the brand, Review and Preview. And that'll do it for this edition of Review and Preview tonight, folks. Thank you all. I hope you have a great rest of your night.